Today on episode 416 of I Am Salt Lake Podcast, we sit down with the founder of Fit to Fat to Fit, Drew Manning. This is an awesome conversation that we talk with Drew about what inspired him to start Fit to Fat to Fit, what got him interested in lifting weights, how he got introduced to the ketogenic diet, and tips that we can personally implement so we can all live a healthier lifestyle in 2020. And if this is your first time listening to this podcast, you might be wondering what it's all about. Well, this show is all about showcasing the awesome people in Salt Lake City, Utah. We get to talk to business owners, comedians, authors, tattoo artists, restaurant owners, breweries, distilleries, food truck owners, really anyone that might have a great story to share. All right, let's quickly introduce ourselves today. My name is Chris Hollifield, and you can follow me on my personal Instagram at Chris Hollifield. And my name's Chrissy Hollifield, and you can follow me on my personal Instagram at Lady Salt Lake. Hey, and before we get into that conversation with Drew Manning, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast in whatever app you're listening to this in right now. That way you don't miss a single episode. It's really easy, and all the episodes will get sent right to your podcast app of choice. And you can find all of that information right on our website at IamSaltLake.com. And with all that being said, let's jump into that conversation that we had with Drew Manning when he came over to our podcast studio. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the conversation. Where did you grow up? San Diego, California, San? originally, okay. until I was 13. Then we moved to Virginia. So I grew up in, you know, the first half of my life was in California, Southern California. Then my parents moved to Virginia and, uh, and then went to middle school, high school out in Virginia. I always like to kind of start these podcasts out. Like we're here in Salt Lake city. It's like, are they from Salt Lake city? Are they from Utah? Like what brought them yeah. to Utah? And you know, I've listened to a few podcasts of yours and no one ever gets to where you're from even. So I'm like, well, this is going <laughs> to yeah. be different. I mean, I'm sure people have asked you that question, but some people do, but you know, for the most part, I, we moved out here because my ex-wife's family was from here. So we were living in Chicago after I graduated college. I had a job out there working as a financial analyst. Actually, a lot of people don't know that. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was in finance right out of college and or I was working for Chrysler, you know, the car company. Um, and then 2008 happened. <laughs> and then uh, we all know how that went. And so we tried to pick up, you know, where we, you know, uh, hopefully finding a better job or a better future. So her family was from Utah and she's like, why don't we get out of the Midwest? And I'm like, yeah, I hate it. It's so cold here. <laughs> and so we moved, we moved from like the Chicago, you know, temperatures to uh, Utah and I'll take Utah winters any day over the Midwest winters. So you don't have any family here then? Um, I have one sister, but no, we didn't grow up here. Um, but you know, any, no roots to Utah. But you love it here. You're here now. I do. You know, it's grown on me. Like Utah's grown on me um, a lot. Uh, having two kids now, you know, I have two kids and, and actually enjoy Utah. I'm surprised I'm saying that. But yeah. You know, I have the same problem because I moved from Wisconsin and I, growing up, was like, I will never move to Utah. Like that was <laughs> yeah. the one place I refused <laughs> to go. And then I came here and I'm like, oh, I like it. So yeah, I know. I'm, it's very surprising. Yeah, it's interesting. And it's getting bigger. It's getting, I mean, more diverse culture, stuff like that. Yeah. When did you get into fitness? Like when did that come into... Um, the cards for you. I mean, yeah. have you always from been financial analyst to fitness? To fitness. Expert? So like, here, yeah. what was that transition about? So here's the thing. I've always been into fitness. Like ever since I was a kid, I played football and I wrestled, but I officially became a trainer in 2009. But I was one of those kids where my older brothers played football and they wrestled. And I was like them and their friends, like were the coolest looking 
dudes. I'm like, I want to look like them. So I started working out from a young age. I would do like the chain gang, like uh, with my dad for their football games. I would like be the ball boy. Like I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be in shape like these guys. And so a football player, wrestler from a very young age, always in shape pretty much my whole life. So it's always been a part of me. But officially, I became a personal trainer in 2009 when actually uh, the financial analyst thing, we moved to Utah, right? Thinking, oh, yeah, I got a good resume, got a good degree, you know, work for this big, huge company. Someone will hire me for eight months, couldn't find a job. So I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do? I worked manual labor to pay the bills. I had a a wife and she was uh, pregnant at the time. And, uh, and then I was like, well, what else am I passionate about? I'm like, well, health and fitness. So why not get certified as a personal trainer since I don't have a job right now, like a full-time job. And so that's what's what led me down the path of fitness. But were you always good? Like you said, you, you were into wrestling and in a lot of high school activities, but have you always been good through the years? Uh, like hitting the gym, lifting weights, doing <laughs> that, right? Cause because once you're an adult, it sucks. Yeah, well, and even just to give you a little so, story, I mean, I, I I gained a lot of weight myself, and I just started going back to the gym like two years ago. Yeah. And, and as an adult, it gets harder with kids. And so it's like, how do you do it? That's interesting. I think – so here's the thing for me, and this is kind of going a little bit deep, so bear with me. But going back to when I was a kid, I was very insecure about myself. I was very self-conscious. I was very shy. And me being athletic or, you know, having a good body was kind of this self-defense mechanism where like, oh, uh, people will like me if I'm in shape or am I good at sports? You know, I get attention that way because I was very hard on myself from a very young age. Like I, I was never good enough. I was like, I'm not perfect. I hated my, I kind of grew up hating myself. And this was a way to kind of show my worth or value to the world was being in shape. And so, and I remember when, you know, when I was dating or before I was married, I would see all my married friends and they just let themselves go. I'm like, dude, why do you guys, why do you do that? that?" I'm like, and so I kind of noticed that I'm like, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to like, I'm going to stay in shape. I don't care what it takes. And for me, I just kind of made it part of my lifestyle and made it priority pretty much from a very young age. So I never knew what it was like to be overweight until you did until <laughs> some, which, which I'm going to let's, let's, you guys let's, up for ju- that. Yeah, yeah, let's, yeah, let's no, jump into is... this. So, so you started this company fit to fat to fit before you gained the weight or did I, did I even say that right? Fit, fit, fit to fat to fit, fit to fat to fit. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a tongue twister. It is. I... Um, so you set this company up years ago, right? Or is it, or this was your coaching training thing back in 2009. So I became a trainer in 2009, started okay. taking on clients part-time, but then I transitioned into the medical field. So a lot of people don't know that either. So I went from finance to the medical field, complete 180. And, but I was doing personal training part-time on the side. And that's where the idea of fit to fit came from. And what, what that was, was, you know, here I was a person who had never been overweight a day in their life, trying to help people who were overweight pretty much every single day of their life. And there was an obvious disconnect. I'm like, why don't you guys just do what I tell you to? Like, here's your meal plans. Here's your workouts. Put down the junk food. Like, it's not that hard. You just and you do probably, it. <laughs> you probably had like clients that were resentful. Like, oh, it's easy for you to say you're in shape. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what they said. Like, yeah. dude, Drew, you don't understand. Like for you, it's easy. For me, it's like really, really hard. And I'm like, well, why is it so hard? I couldn't understand and so for it kind of bugged me and that they would tell me I didn't understand. So I was trying to think of ways I could better understand them. I'm like, okay, maybe I need to learn something. And it was the weirdest thing. For whatever reason, as I was thinking of ideas, this this fit to fit to fit idea popped up in my head. Like, what if you got fat on purpose, documented the whole thing, and and to gain a better understanding, like 
what if that actually could work? And it like was like a light bulb went off in my head where I'm like, whoa, like, am I really going to do this? Like, I felt like a calling. Like, I okay, I am going to do this. I Googled it to see if anyone had done it before on purpose. You know, some celebrities have done it for roles on, on in movies, but nothing like this, right? Um, and so I decided to, well, I checked with all my friends and family. Like, what do you guys think of this? Am I just crazy? They're like, no, that sounds awesome. You should do it. Everyone except for my mom. My mom was against it. <laughs> she was like, no, your health. And so, because <laughs> it is Mom, probably a little allowed. scary. Yeah. Because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't even know. I mean, am I going to be able to lose the weight? Is yeah. Your blood pressure going to go up? It you sounded know, like, fun on paper. Like, oh, six months, no exercise, eat junk food. Like, yeah, that's going to be awesome. <laughs> that's like my you life. Know? And I love it. <laughs> yeah. And then the next six months was to, you know, walk the walk and show people, okay, this is how you lose the weight. So that was the idea in a nutshell, fit to fit to fit. And then, uh, then from there, I was like, okay, how do you do Like, I had no marketing strategy. I had no media connections. I was like, all right, create a, we- uh, a website, okay, Squarespace, pay a few hundred bucks for that, a YouTube channel, Facebook page, and then start telling my friends about it. You know, back in 2011, I was like, hey, I'm doing this crazy thing. What do you guys think? And before you know it, it just organically went, went viral. And, how, and so how much weight did you gain? 75 pounds in six months. Was that was that your goal, 75 pounds, or that was, once you got there, like, okay, enough enough? just doing enough. it for six months to see where you could get? Uh, that, that second question. So That's a lot of weight to gain It's a lot of months. weight. I thought I was only going to gain 50 or 60, to be totally honest with you. I was like, oh, yeah, 50, it's like 10 pounds a month. Mm-hmm. But 75, and the, the surprising thing to a lot of people was how quickly it piled on, and they're like, you're not even going to be able to get fat because your genetics, they just went, well, you know, you, you just can't get fat because your genetics, right? And I think people were blown away at how big I got. How easy it was, it happened. It was pretty impressive. What, I want to know. <laughs> what, what was the hardest thing for you, man? Like, like, yeah. cause you weren't used to being that big. Yeah. Like what were some obstacles that you were like, wow, I feel kind of bad for people that are so here's or, or the thing. Is that a tough question. I don't know. No, no, I know what you're asking. I, I, I don't, I don't want to be mean or anything. No, no, no. I mean, it gets physically restrictive yeah. at a certain point. Yeah. And all, right? we can talk about that too. Cause it yeah. was, you can, I, I don't mind making fun of myself, but, um, so my identity, when you grow up every your your whole life in shape, like your identity is based on your body. Like my, I was my body, like myself, my body image was my self image. And the opposite of that is true too. People that grow up their entire lives out of shape, like they, their identity is their body. So for me, my identity was Drew the fit guy, right? And now here I am, even 10 pounds overweight, freaking out. Like I wanted to go up to strangers in public and say, you guys, I'm not really this way. This is my before picture. Like (laughs) this is who I really am. Like I'm not really overweight. This is just an experiment. Like I wanted to tell people so bad because I felt so uncomfortable being overweight for the first time in my life. And it was like an identity crisis. I I Mm -hmm. definitely freaked out. And I was super self-conscious very low self-esteem at that point. Cause I'm like, well, who am I without muscles and a six pack? Did you notice a change in the way that people reacted to you? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so here's the thing. This is my opinion on that whole thing. No one was rude to me or said anything mean to me. There was moments where like I was in the grocery store and I felt like I was getting some stairs. I had a shopping cart sometimes full of like soda and cookies and crackers and <laughs> Cheetos that'll, that'll and like, you know, yeah. <laughs> and like I remember one time there was these three like, you know, hot ladies behind me like checking out and I was like feeling really self-conscious because they were watching the food that I was putting out and they like saw my stomach and I felt the judgment. I felt like, I don't know if they were or not, but I just felt it. Right. Right. But uh, getting back to my point, no one was ever rude or mean to me, but here's my thought on that is I think society, society in general is more accepting of men being overweight 
than than women. I think men are judged less harshly than women are when it comes to their their body image. And I think like a husky guy, like oh yeah, that's normal. But a girl being overweight, like I feel like women probably have more stories of them being treated differently, especially by other women. By other women, unfortunately, is, yeah, very unfortunate. Yeah, uh, but no, for the most part, it was mostly in my head of people judging me. Whether they're judging you or not, you feel judged. And yeah. that was really humbling for me to go through. And that's why I'm glad I did this experiment because it really uh, opened up my eyes. It humbled me and it showed me a new perspective. And empathy was the biggest thing I took away from all of this. Empathy is something that this world needs more of, especially in the fitness industry. But doing something like this was totally worth it if I can come away from it more empathetic towards those that struggle with transformation. Which you did. Yeah. And this whole journey is still on the internet, right? People can yeah. go. It's, it's on the Fit to Fat yeah. to Fit website. Yeah, or? you just, you just go, or you go to YouTube. Just Google Fit to Fat to Fit and you'll see like all these old videos of me like trying to eat like a dozen donuts or like I had a hot dog or a corn dog challenge. I had like a chicken McNugget challenge. I did. Uh, have you been to Lucky 13? Oh, of course. Utah? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, of yeah. Course. They have this amazing <laughs> challenge. I think you, you win $1,000. Oh, the, the big oh, yeah, Benny. The big, the big yeah. Benny or the something, the big bear it's, it's or something. Like, it's like the most impossible one I've ever tried, but I didn't even come close. <laughs> like <laughs> even at my heaviest, I was like, man, this is the hardest one I've ever done. Because they have like the huge like 12 patty burger or something. And then they have a huge habanero like ghost pepper like grilled cheese sandwich burger that you have to eat and then fries and, and now you just eat it all up right now that you're on keto just all <laughs> yeah. that meat right yeah i take the bread off and just, <laughs> take, take the bread off scratch yeah. the fries no i'm curious like how difficult was it for you to start eating that type of food and gaining weight and pushing yourself to keep eating it was there a point where yeah. you're like i can't do this anymore i want a carrot i want an apple i want a glass of water yeah like, so the first i would say two to four weeks was fun. Like it was really fun to like, you're like a kid in a candy store. You go to the grocery store, you skip the produce section. You're like, Oh man, I could go down the cereal. We have hundreds of flavors of cereal here in in America and then hundreds of flavors of soda and candy and chips. It's like, wow, why we have so much selection. Like it's crazy. So anyways, the first couple of weeks were fun for sure. Just being able to eat that way. Cause I didn't feel too awful yet. It was about three or four weeks in. I remember I started snoring at night, which affected my sleep, which affected my energy levels, which affected my mood, which affected my personality and my hormones. And then your cardio starts to go down. So walking up the stairs became really hard. And I had um, my oldest was two at the time. So two-year-olds have a ton of energy. And here I was like <laughs> huffing much. and puffing. Chafing became an issue like I was not prepared for. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is super uncomfortable. Like I had to like research, okay, what do I do for chafing? Like, you know, get some gold bond. And it, it was, the food was fun in the beginning, but very quickly it was not like after you, you think like, oh yeah, I just want to eat that way forever. You get sick of it after a while. So I'm like, man, I got five more months of this. How the hell am I going to do this? <laughs> and, um, it was, it was way harder than, than people think it is. You know, even people that eat unhealthy, like, you know, like maybe off and on eating this way straight for six months was really, really hard. Oh, yeah. And you got back to your goal weight or regular weight, however you want to phrase yeah. that, before you even got introduced to keto. Because all this happened way before keto came yeah. in the picture, right? Yep. Because if keto was in the picture, I mean, that would have been easy probably to lose all that weight, no? Yeah, I've, I've kind of wondered what it would be like if I had keto like as a tool or intermittent fasting. Mm. Um, I did more of a paleo-ish approach, you know, five, six small meals per day, lots of protein, you know, lots of vegetables, but I didn't, uh, yeah, keto wasn't really mainstream back then. 
Who introduced you to keto? Like at what, how, how long have you even been doing it? I've, well, being in the industry, I've heard about it and I've been doing it for about four and a half years, but it wasn't until I heard uh, this guy named Dr. Dominic Diagostino come on the Tim Ferriss podcast. And he blew me away with how much science and research had been done on the ketogenic diet for not just weight loss. It was like, you know, Navy SEALs using it for, to reduce brain toxicity and seizures when they would do these deep uh, dive missions or, um, you know, Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or all these, yeah. these, uh, diseases of the brain, you know, I was like, I had no idea all this research was being done. So it was very intrigued. And that's why I started experimenting with keto. And that's where I ended up falling in love with it because of the mental clarity yeah. and the, you know, I wasn't a slave to food anymore. I wasn't like having to eat six meals a day. Four years. What'd you say? Four and a half years ago? Yeah, four, four and a half years. Were you, I mean, you must've been you're going to die. You're going to kill yourself. It's too much fat. Cause I got it two years ago. Now keto is yeah. a little more mainstream, right? Yeah. Thanks to people like Tim Ferriss and Joe Rogan that yeah. Dom, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. He, he was on Joe Rogan a few yeah, times Diego too. I'm Stino. sure you've listened to those episodes yeah, on Joe awesome. Rogan. I mean, yeah. but I mean, people like that kind of helped forefront a little bit, yep. even though the diet's been around for almost a hundred years probably yeah. now. But, uh, <laughs> What what did you do to get past all the negative talk of it, or were you worried at all? The negative talk of keto, yeah, man. Oh, like, like the, for me, were, were you not worried at all? Like at that time, not at that time, because I was starting to really dive deep into podcasts. Okay, and okay, so like you were listening, listening to, to, to these experts, right? But back in the day, when I first heard about keto, and I was doing my like paleo thing, I was like, yeah, that doesn't sound because like, I would tell people like stay away from saturated fat. You know, even me and like, Hey, you got to eat every three hours. Cause you'll lose your muscle mass, <laughs> you know? So these myths mm-hmm. that I, I once believed in. So uh, yeah, in, in back in the day when I thought that way, I did think that keto was a little bit unique, but then started listening to these podcasts and listening to Dr. Dom more. I'm like, okay, maybe like we've been fed a lie. And then I started researching it more and more and more. I'm like, yeah, you look at the newer science. And then when I went on the Dr. Oz show talking about keto, even him, he was still like a skeptic. Yeah. Yeah. Mm That's a lot of fat, you know? And I'm a, you know, I think he's a cardiologist or, you know, heart surgeon or I can't remember what he is, but he's like, yeah, see these plaques, these, um, you know, these arteries that are clogged. It's, it's it's probably from the fat. And we didn't really debate on Dr. Oz, but he, we just, he kind of said his two cents about why it might not be good. All right. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by our friends at wizarding days. I know that I'm personally excited to bring them on as a sponsor again this year. This is actually their third year in a row sponsoring this podcast. Remember, when you support our sponsors, you are directly supporting this podcast. This year, Wizarding Days will be happening on February 28th and 29th, and they will be hosted at the Utah State Fairgrounds. This year, they are excited to have some authors like Sal Valuto, who is a comic illustrator and has worked for DC and Marvel. They will also have a state of continual performers like magicians, puppeteers, trivia games, and more. This year's theme of Wizarding Days is mythology, and they'll have some new sets and activities where kids can hunt down gods and goddesses. And they're also having a cosplay contest this year, which I'm personally excited about. You can sign up right now for the cosplay contest at wizardingdays.com. And while you're on their website, grab your tickets now for the best price available. They have day passes, family passes, and weekend passes. I'm super excited because this year they are also having a charity Yule Ball on Thursday night, the 27th, from 7 to 10 p.m. They've partnered with Geeked Out Events and Wasatch Wizard and Witches, and all the money that's raised from the event will go directly to charity. You can get a discount by buying an Ultimate Pass, which will get you into the ball on the 27th 
as well as the event on the 28th and 29th. All of the information for this and tickets, all that good stuff can be found right on their website at wizardingdays.com. That's days with a Z, wizardingdays.com. And that is a tongue twister. (laughs) Again, Wizarding Days is happening on February 28th and 29th at the Utah State Fairgrounds. Grab your tickets now for the best price available at wizardingdays.com. That's wizardingdays with a Z.com. All right. Many thanks to Wizarding Days for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If I'm not not mistaken, you kind of you try to get whole foods with keto, right? You're kind of a very much more uh, uh, natural, nutritional. Because there's so many. Do you think like keto's kind of been? It feels like it's kind of been weirdly tainted a little. It's getting bit. bastardized like, a bit. Do, yeah. I mean, do you feel that yeah. way at all? Oh, this or is that how it's always been? Well, I've seen this trend with any popular diet: paleo, yeah. same thing; vegan, same thing; keto, same thing. It becomes popular, it becomes mainstream, and so what we do is we create. Okay, we're we're a society of convenience. We want the laziest way to do it. Like, okay, how can I do keto with eating butter, bacon, and cheese all day long and lose a ton of weight? Like, yeah, some people I know that they'll they'll drink sugar, they'll drink diet soda, they'll like you know go to McDonald's and just take the bun off and and they'll eat these you know what I what people call lazy keto or dirty keto. Yeah, there's a place for that, but I feel like any kind of diet when it becomes popular, people tend to gravitate towards. Okay, what's the what's the best way to do this with the least amount of effort? Mm-hmm. That's the way people we gravitate towards. My approach definitely is a whole foods approach because in my opinion, that's the healthiest way to do any diet, whether you're doing, there's very unhealthy ways to do plant-based diets out there. The people think, Oh, plant-based is the way of the future. But trust me, if you're eating, you know, Oreos, which are vegan and you're doing these like uh, impossible burgers, <laughs> like Burger King and, and places like that, it's not going to be a healthier diet. So I see it happen with almost any diet that becomes popular. I was vegan for seven years. Really? In my early 20s. Well, actually, <laughs> actually about 17 to 23, 24-ish. Yeah. And now he's and, basically on the carnivore diet. Yeah, well, now, <laughs> now I'm 95% carnivore. Wow. Uh, and I'm 42, so I, I've kind of had a lot of vitamin deficiencies yeah. that have been targeted to when I was on the vegan diet, which has interesting. been interesting. Uh, now doing keto, more carnivore. I mean, it's it phew, turned yeah. around for me. I've been, it's been wonderful, man. And That's it's awesome, it's. Man. Um, but what gets frustrating for me is I see people that think they're doing keto and it's just carb counting. Yeah. Or you know they're they're eating regular bread, but they're like, well, it's I'm going to still be under my carbs, and it's like. Yeah. Well, you're really not supposed to do weed either. Yeah. I don't, at least from what I understand. And I don't know. I don't want to sit here and be keto police necessarily, <laughs> but I'm just curious, like what your thoughts are on that. Like, cause to me it would seem like, cause I know you coach people and you help people. Yeah. It confuses people when you oh, have 100%. all this stuff, just like over here in this Facebook group and over here in this book and YouTube <laughs> video. Who do yeah. you, how do you know who to even believe? It's really, really hard. And I'll be totally honest with you. I, I manage a lot of Facebook groups, you know, of my own. And it's the same questions over and over again. And the problem is people want rules. People want, is this yes or no? Can I have this yes or no? When in reality, it comes down to context. And so, you know, can you have five grams of cake and still stay in ketosis? Probably. You could drink vegetable oil and drink uh, diet soda all day long and still probably stay in ketosis. But is that the healthiest way to do it? Probably not. I'm going to say 100% sure. It seems like a lot of people don't think about the minerals and vitamins that they need while they're doing it. And that kind of is detrimental to your overall health still. Yeah. And so that's what I'm saying is like there's there's all these other ways to do it. And what I say is like, look, 
find what works best for you. So do some self-experimentation. Maybe it is lazy keto at first. Maybe that's the way you heard about it and you start doing it. Your friend lost like 100 pounds eating butter, bacon, and cheese all day long and drinking diet soda. Like, okay, maybe that works for you for a season or two. And then from there you realize, okay, well, I'm not, I don't feel healthier. Maybe I've lost some weight, but I don't look healthier. Okay, what can I change? Like maybe, and that's what my goal is to get people to always be experimenting and finding what works best for them now. Cause what works best for you, you know, now might not work for you a year from now, right? You always got to be changing, evolving, upgrading, learning more. And that's, that's how we find what's best for us versus like, Hey, some expert came and said, Hey, the keto is the best way. Well, there's no one clear cut way that's that, to do keto that works for everyone, right? Like I try and put people into these macros, 70, 25, five, and then boom, you magically in ketosis. Well, for some people, yes, but for some people, no. Yeah. So self-experimentation is really important. All right. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. Remember, when you support our sponsors, you are directly supporting this podcast. The Love Promise program is what makes Subaru and Mark Miller Subaru so special. The Love Promise means being more than just a car company. It's Mark Miller Subaru vision to show love and respect to all people at every interaction with Subaru. Mark Miller Subaru is dedicated to making the world a better place. Subaru of America actually selected Mark Miller Subaru as country's 2018 Love Promise Retailer of the Year. This is super rad because this is the most distinguished award Subaru of America awards each year and only given to one Subaru retailer throughout the entire country. Mark Miller Subaru was selected for this award because of Mark Miller Subaru's unique and strategic approach to supporting charitable causes here in Utah. While Mark Miller Subaru has donated a sizable amount of money over the years, that's not all they do. Mark Miller Subaru develops deep and meaningful partnerships with charities to make real change in our community. So whether you're buying a car at Mark Miller Subaru or simply getting some service done, you're helping Mark Miller Subaru leave a mark on the lives of others in our local community right here in Salt Lake City. And Mark Miller has two convenient locations for you to visit. Mark Miller Subaru Midtown, which is at 3535 South State Street in Salt Lake City, Utah. This is the one that I personally use for all of my Subaru needs. And Mark Miller Subaru Southtown, which is at 10920 State Street in Sandy. Go test drive a Subaru today because I think you're going to love it. I couldn't imagine living in Utah without our Subaru Impreza. It has gotten us out of some sticky situations. Again, go visit them at their Midtown or Southtown locations. And many thanks to Mark Miller Subaru for supporting this episode of the podcast. She mentioned how I mostly do carnivore. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on a carnivore diet, an all meat based diet, not incorporating any vegetables or or fruits? I know, you know, some keto people do berries. Yeah. Uh, Be honest. Be honest with me. I think there's a time and place for it for sure. Just like I think there's a time and place for maybe a plant-based approach. I don't think it's the way humans were designed to be forever, but I do think there's a time and place for, um, like I work with some, or I, I know some doctors that work with clients that put them on, on it for like 30 to 60 days. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome. To kind of heal them. some gut issues exactly. and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's a total elimination day for sure. All you're adding is meat. You're getting rid of everything else that could be problematic and I've seen it work for a ton of people, a lot of people. Now, is you know to say that humans are 100% carnivores, I don't know if there's evidence to back that up where all we eat is meat. But I do know that we can thrive off it. Yeah. But I, on the, uh, the other side of the coin, I know people that switch 
to a plant-based diet and for whatever reason they thrive on it for yeah. three months, six months, a couple of oh, years. I think I did great in the beginning Yeah, when I was vegan. Yeah. yeah. You felt great because yeah. you're, you're changing, you're eating all these vegetables now and these plants, but does it work forever? I don't know. I, yeah. I don't, I think, you know, humans for the most part are omnivores, right? So, but to find, to know, okay, how much meat versus how much vegetables. Cause I think, you know, some people like if I eat broccoli, raw broccoli, it's going to mess up my stomach. If I eat raw vegetables, like I know that's not like my stomach doesn't like that. Yeah. So other people, maybe they do a raw vegan diet and it works for them for a little bit. But so anyways, that's my opinion on it. I've, I've done uh, some experiments with it, to be honest with you. And I felt amazing. The hard part is just to like, it gets old. Meat. Yeah, it gets I'm old. Like, dude, it gets old. Get some avocado. Sometimes or something. you need like something less salty. Well, yeah. and the biggest problem I ran into about a year into doing keto, I realized I'm allergic to eggs. Oh, really? So, yeah. and I was eating a lot of eggs, and yeah. eggs aren't everything with keto. So I've had to eliminate that. So what yeah. do you do when you eliminate that? That's in like everything, even even down to uh, that delicious keto ice cream, Rebel <laughs> yeah. ice cream. I mean, you had to, yeah, that's that taken stuff. away, but. Uh, you wrote a book, Complete Keto. Yes. That's the only book you've written, right? If I'm not mistaken. My second book. Second book. Fit to Fat to Fit was my okay. first one. Okay. Pfft. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the Complete Keto, that's like your recipes and you know meal plans, stuff like that? or Yeah. So Complete Keto, uh, in my second book, is my approach to keto. And so what it does, it's, it's very unique. It's different than every other keto book out there. Yes, it has meal plans and recipes and workouts, like a 30-day program like everyone else has. But- I took the lessons that I learned from fit to fit to fit on the mental and emotional side of transformation, you know, helping people overcome emotional eating and their emotional challenges when it comes to living a healthy lifestyle long-term. I've taken those lessons that I've learned from fit to fit to fit and plugged it into a unique approach to keto, which is obviously a whole food approach. I did all dairy-free recipes and nut-free recipes for the first 30 days. And the reason I did that, and you've probably seen this too, is People tend to overdo it on dairy and nuts. Oh, yeah. You know, they're like, oh, I'm keto. So, but they're eating five handfuls of cashews and, you know, three cheese sticks during the day. And they're like, why am I not losing weight? So I eliminated dairy and nuts for the first 30 days. And it's a whole foods approach. But more importantly, it's helping people overcome their mental and emotional challenges. Because I don't care what meal plan you put people on, what diet you put them on. That's not what people struggle with. People don't struggle with the lack of knowledge of, okay, exercising and eating less, like, we know that it's their emotional challenges that they haven't yet overcome that keep them from living a healthy lifestyle long term. And so for me, if I could help people overcome their emotional challenges, then if they do keto or paleo or whatever, it's going to be a lifestyle change for them versus just another diet that they do. And that's the biggest piece that's missing in the fitness industry is help uh, helping people with overcoming those mental and emotional challenges. And this book can be purchased anywhere. I mean, it's yeah, Amazon, Amazon Barnes and Noble, Noble, like Kindle. Yeah. You know, it's auto on audible. Um, but yeah, so it's got the 30 day program in there and, but it's, it's helping people with the mental, the emotional, the spiritual side of transformation. So it's not just a physical transformation book. It's a complete transformation book. And that's kind of the unique twist of that book that makes it different than every other keto book out there. Now you coach people. Do you coach people all over the world and like maybe over the internet or, or is it all in person here in Utah? Yeah. So I only have a few clients that I take on okay. just cause it's not like, I don't have a lot of time, but I'll take on a few clients. They're all over the world, but most of my content is, is digital. So people consume my content, you know, through, you know, they'll, they'll purchase my eBooks and my cookbooks and my uh, online workout programs. Uh, I just don't have the capacity to 
train people one-on-one. I got you. you Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you're busy. And another thing you got is this TV show, right, on A&E. Is that consuming a lot of your time now or Um, was it, I guess? It was. uh, So we had two seasons of the TV show. Um, One was on A&E. The next year was on Lifetime. And then afterwards, it it discontinued. Yeah, discontinued. Which, yeah. yeah, still to this day, I don't know why. Yeah. The TV industry is a weird industry. They don't tell you anything. What was it? Well, I mean, what was that experience like, man? Dude, it was so TV cool. Show. Because here's, here's the whole concept in a nutshell. You take fit to fat to fit the thing I did right back in 2011, 2012, which made me a better trainer, better human, more empathetic, uh, more of a, a, a understanding of what people go through with transformation. And then we plugged that in to bringing on other people, other trainers. Cause if you look at this industry, it's full with a lot of egotistical, kind of know-it-alls that think like, oh yeah, I know how to fix you. I know how to make you lose weight. Like you're just doing it wrong and I can fix you. And then you put them through this process, these other trainers of gaining weight for the first time in their life. And you see how humbled they are by the end of it. You see them break down, like they lose their identity. Everything I went through, they go through. So that's kind of the whole, you know, the unique approach to this TV show was putting them through this process so that they come out of it more empathetic and then they see things from a different perspective so that they can understand where their clients are coming from and their clients respect them so much more now having gone through this process because, and this is what it did for me, is it made me more relatable to your average person. Because what happens is your average person looks at these fitness celebrities or these fitness you know, influencers on social media and they all look amazing. They have six pack abs. They're like, that's cool, but I can't relate to that. Like, that's not me. It's never going to be me. So, you know, you can yell all you want about, you know, no excuses and eat less and do my workout program. But 80% of America doesn't care about that, right? But what this did for me is they saw someone like me, the regular typical trainer guy, kind of come down to their level, right? And you see the photos and it's, you know, it's not like I just gained a few pounds. It's it's pretty, you know, from, you know, 8% body fat to 32% body fat. (laughs) So anyways, it made me more, more relatable and I think people could relate to me better and vice versa so that you know, they, they're more willing to listen to what you have to say. And this is a quote that I live by and it's no one cares how much, you know, until they know how much you care. And that's something I live by now having done this, like you could have all the knowledge in the world. You could be the smartest trainer with all the science degrees and everything. But if you can't relate to your, your clients, your followers, if they don't feel like you actually care about them, they're not going to be willing to listen to what you have to say. So it's that relatability factor that's missing you know, I'm trying to bring to the table on Facebook. I mentioned that, uh, we'd be sitting down with you and a mutual friend of ours, actually, Robbie, he had a, a question. Robbie, yeah. Yeah, he, has, he has a good one. I mean, <laughs> this is, this is a good, uh, for, I mean, well, first of all, thanks to Robbie for, for setting yeah, this interview setting up. up. Yeah. Uh, but he says that, uh, Drew is a great listener. I watched him signing books once. He was so genuine with everyone he talked with. You can tell he has a true understanding and compassion for others. So he wants me to ask, he says, ask him if his fit to fat to fit journey taught him to be a better listener, or if you've always been a good listener, and then also maybe a few tips on how to listen better to those of us that talk too much. Uh, I wasn't listening. What did you say? (laughs) 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 Robbie, he's so funny, man. Um, That's a good question. Where did my listening come from? I feel like it improved. I've always been a good listener. You know, I will say that. And I don't know where that came from or how. But I feel like it's improved since doing fit to fit to fit. So this is the problem that I've seen is it, as an authoritative figure, whether you're a fitness influencer, whether you're a doctor, whether yeah. you're a coach, a leader, whatever it is, most people listen to respond. 
So when someone's talking, they're already thinking what the response is versus listening to understand. And so for me, I try and be present in the moment when, when people are talking to me, sharing their life story with me, asking me their questions. And I try and listen to understand where they're coming from instead of like, okay, what's how am I going to respond to this so that I sound smart or so that I sound like knowledgeable? And I think that's the mistake that people make is in, in a leadership position, they're listening to respond instead of listening to truly understand. And so I feel like fit to fit to fit really helped shift my paradigm uh, when it comes to listening so that when someone's telling me something, I'm trying to understand where they're coming from, you know, on a deeper emotional level versus like, okay, you know, what's the quickest way to respond to this, you know, to feed my ego. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Makes a lot of sense. I love it. It's New Year's time, right? New Year's (laughs) resolutions, right? Uh, It's that time of the year, right? Uh, End of the year, beginning new year, 2020, new decade. I'm sure you get a lot of people, right? They want to get in shape and and get fitness, keto, whatever. Mm -hmm. Let's let's not even do keto. Let's just do all fitness here. What would you recommend to somebody? Like, let's say somebody's 75, 100 pounds overweight. Yeah. And they're like, I got to lose weight, but they... But you know how it is too, right? To keep that motivation up, to yeah. do it all. Like, well, and wh- if you have a job where you're sitting all yeah. day and you have just snacks in the kitchen and then you're exhausted, but yeah. I'm not talking about anyone I know, <laughs> yeah. but <laughs> by the time you get home, there's no time to work out. I mean, yeah. where should they start? Where would Drew yeah. recommend they start? So this is my whole goal with my approach to being in the fitness industry is to shift people's perception of what health and fitness needs to look like. Cause here's the problem is people look at this situation. Oh, new year's is coming up another year of like me wanting to make changes. I didn't make any changes, but this time it's happening. This is what, and there's nothing wrong with that, but their perception is that they are only successful if they hit their goal, if they look a certain way. So for me, it's more so about like, why do you want this? Why do you want to lose weight? Why do you want to you know improve your health? There's got to be something deeper than just, I want to look good, right? Because that motivation is going to go away really quickly. Because what's going to happen is you're going to put in all this effort for two or three months, not see the results you want to, right? Because it's slow progress. And people are like, this isn't worth the effort I'm putting into it. So they go into it with this perception of, I'm going to do this until it gets uncomfortable enough to where um, I'm not going to put in any more effort right? Because I'm not getting the results back. They want to see results instantly. And so they get, de- you know, they get derailed after a couple months and they get discouraged about themselves and they think, well, I failed at this, therefore I'm a failure. And so if I could get people to shift their perception of what success looks like in health and fitness approach and make it so that they fall in love with the process, take the results out of it just for you know a minute. If you could fall in love with the process, then I feel like that's where you'll start to see change. Until you shift your perception of, okay, only focusing on the reason you're only doing this to get results. If that's the reason you're doing it, then unfortunately, nine times out of 10, you're not going to get those results you want because it's going to, it requires a lifestyle change. It's not like a three month stint or a six month stint. You're hundred pounds overweight. That's going to take years, you know, of, of continuous, consistent lifestyle change, but you have to come from a place of self-love versus self-hate. So if you're trying to hate yourself to skinny, and you're trying to beat yourself up and say, okay, well, if I look this way, if I get skinny, then other people will like me. Then I'll like myself. Then life passes you you by before you know you you finally love yourself, right? Learn to love yourself now where you're at, as imperfect as you are, as much as you maybe dislike certain things about your body. Try to find a way to love yourself now while you continue to work on a better version of yourself. And don't make it about the results. Because if you make it about the results only, you're going to give up when it gets hard. 
So uh, to, to quote Miley Cyrus, <laughs> they don't want to, it is all about the climb. It's about just climbing mm-hmm. and not knowing what the destination is, not knowing what the results are going to be, but just climbing and falling in love with the climbing process and just keep moving forward. Right. You are worth it. Everyone's listening out there. It's you know, 70 pounds overweight, 50 pounds overweight. Like you're worth it to keep fighting. And I think that's what people struggle with is the self-worth. And that's why physical transformation is tied to emotional trauma or challenges that we've had since childhood. And that's why it's not as simple as just eating less and working out. Like I wish it were that simple. Like, hey, take this pill. The weight will just magically melt off. A lot of people's weight gain is tied to some type of trauma or challenge that they haven't overcome yet. And it manifests itself in a physical form. For some people, it's alcohol. For some people, it's drugs. For some people, it's food. Whatever it is, we all have these vices to cover up and, and defend ourselves from some type of emotional challenge that we haven't let go of yet. Yeah, like food can be a huge coping mechanism, especially yeah. ice cream. Stress. Yeah. I love ice yeah, cream. Yeah, it's a distraction. You're distracting <laughs> yourself is. from, you know, to make yourself feel good temporarily. We, like exactly. I said, we do that with food or alcohol. The, the thing with food, though, is food is legal. It's not an, <laughs> an illegal drug. It's it's in our face every single day, and we need it to, to survive. And other people get to eat it, and they, they're not, like, obese, right? Not everyone's obese that eats ice cream, or they're, they don't become a food addict. So it's really, really hard, you know, and these foods are super hyper palatable. These companies spend millions, millions of dollars to make this food as addictive as possible. And guess what? It's cheaper than real food. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Do you ever just go pig out, man? Do you ever just like stop by like <laughs> eat a whole pizza? Is that what we're doing after this? <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, Domino's is yeah. on the rare. You know, I mean, okay. you know, cheat days. And do, yeah, do, I mean, do you do cheat days? I don't do cheat days anymore. I did back in the day. Now that I'm older, you know, I'm 38, almost 39. I have two kids. You know, I enjoy being healthy, but I do enjoy, I mean, don't get me wrong, pizza's probably my go-to thing. Like, I love pizza. So if I'm traveling, if I'm overseas, like, if I'm, I'm, I'm I don't have a cheat day, but more, uh, I'll have cheat meals. I can dig it, you know? yeah. Yeah, cheat yeah. meals, especially if it's worth it. Like, if it's like, you know, I'm, I'm here in town, I'm going to, like, Arby's, like, I'm not going to waste my cheat meal on something that's like, I could go there anytime. Like, but if I'm in Italy and I'm like, Oh okay, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. eating this pasta. Like I don't care. Even or if I'm it lays Japan, you out for a week, it's yeah, worth it. Exactly. You know? <laughs> like I'm not going to be here very often. So for me, I yeah. try and pick and choose which one, like for, for example, Christmas is coming up. I'm going to have some almond rocas, like almond rocas on my jam. And I try not to eat a whole thing, but a whole like container. <laughs> but you know, I do have, I do have uh, things that I feel like are worth it to me. You're a person. You're a yes, human. I'm right? human. Yeah. He's real. He's real. Yeah, dude, real too person, short guys. to just eat vegetables all day. <laughs> let's, um, let's switch gears to Salt Lake city. Uh, yeah. we, we have a few standard Salt Lake city questions that we okay. ask on the podcast, being a Salt Lake city podcast. Okay. We all have family and friends that come to town that aren't from Utah. Mm-hmm. Right. We all have a few places we take them, whether it's the mountains or downtown yeah. or a building. Where does Drew take family and friends or, or I don't know, any recommendations? Yeah, I think it depends on if they're Mormon or not. <laughs> so sure. my family's Mormon and, but my friends that aren't Mormon, you know, I'll probably take them to some bars, you know, what's um, the piano one? Oh, uh, the Tabernacle. Keys on Main? No, no, no. Keys on oh. Main. Oh, Keys <laughs> on Main. Both of them. Yeah, Keys on Main. I'll take my <laughs> friends that aren't Mormon, right, to something like that because it's fun. It's entertaining. But, you know, most people come to Utah to experience the outdoors. So hikes. Park City is really beautiful. Um, so mostly mostly hikes, uh, to be honest with you. And then a few places downtown. Um, where else? And that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just you know, like just, you know, Temple Square. If they've never been there, yeah, like, that's you, definitely you something. Go. You I mean, even just, if you're not Mormon, man, yeah. you got to go. It's a check staple. It. It's 
cool yeah. architecture. Yeah. yeah, especially if you've never seen it. It's like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll go there. And for me, I'm only like 10 minutes from downtown, so it's not too far of a drive. What about favorite local eating spots? You mentioned, mm. uh, you know, like when Lucky you're- Lucky 13. When, yeah, Lucky 13. <laughs> oh, there you go. There yeah. you, it, I'm on board with that. Yeah, that's, uh, you know what? I actually went there for the first time about a month ago. No to kidding. Not, not do the challenge, but just kind of like, oh, okay. I feel like a good burger. Like Lucky oh, that's right. That's good right. Burgers. did the challenge. And I had a keto burger, you know, which was basically just, I think it was like four patties with cheese and like, you know, a side salad, but it was delicious. Um, I love copper onion. That's probably like my kind of not fancy, but a little bit more upscale, but really good quality, unique food. Where's another one that, that I like to go? I'm drawing a blank now that I'm on oh, the spot. Funny. That's right. You know, you but yeah, Copper always, Onion is a good one. You know, it was a silly question we started, like when we started this podcast, yeah. but so many people that listen, they, they, they make notes, right? They're like, yeah. oh, I got to go eat there now. I got to go check yeah. that place out. So would you change anything about Salt Lake City if you could? Like, is there anything that you're you're just like, man, if I could change that, I'd love it. I wish there was more parking. I got a parking ticket the other day that was super actually at the Copper Onion. I didn't see it was parked in in a a non-parking zone. I got a ticket. But, you know, I I think compared to all the other big cities I've lived in, Salt Lake is actually like one of the cleanest. I, I don't think there's a whole lot I would change other than. You know, the the parking situation sometimes, which can suck. I can dig it, man. Yeah. It's been great to have you on the podcast, Drew. Thank you so I much. mean, uh, the three of us just sitting down here chatting, getting to know you. I like to open it up a little bit. Like, uh, if, is there anything that you were hoping we would talk about or that we didn't talk about? I mean, you, you got your books. I mean, uh-huh. what's, what's your website that people can connect with you on? Yeah, it's really simple. It's fit number two, fat number two, fit. Okay. And that's my website. It's my podcast. It's my first book. It's all my social media handles. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, even, even on TikTok. And, uh, and the, but then my second book is complete keto. So, and no, those all on the website. Can yeah. Be all on the website. And- if, you know, obviously if you listen to this podcast and you want to learn more about, you know, I, I do open up about my personal story on my podcast, but I also talk about keto, fitness, mindset, all it, that. Go stuff. listen. Seriously, go yeah. listen to Drew's podcast. It's yeah. good. But thank you guys so much for having me on and uh, really appreciate it. It was really good getting to know you guys. Yeah, yeah absolutely. For coming on. Yeah. Chrissy has a final question that oh. she asks. Oh. You, I, know. I know you've already yeah. you've already thrown your favorite quote out. That's kind of her curse or her oh, question. Okay. Go ahead, Chrissy. People usually beat me to the punch. Yeah. But um if you could leave our listeners with one piece of life advice or a motto that you live by, what would it yeah. be? It kind of ties into what I was saying at the end there about operating at a place of self love versus self hate. And this is something I learned by hitting rock bottom myself going through a divorce, which was really, really hard for me personally. Cause I, the, my perception of f- divorce was failure. Like if I, if I fail at marriage, then I'm a failure for life and learning to let go of that. And I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, how I grew up kind of hard on myself, hating myself. So operating out of, uh, out of a place of self hate leads to self sabotage. So when you look at yourself as a failure, you tend to do failure like things especially when you don't feel like you're worthy or good enough. So once I learned, once I hit rock bottom, first of all, I went through years of therapy and life coaches and reading books, like especially by Brene Brown, definitely highly recommend her books. Embracing vulnerability as a strength, owning my story, and then operating at a place of self-love. Even as a guy, like I know that self-love isn't like this manly thing to talk about or vulnerability. You know, I used to think it was a weakness, but I've definitely embraced it as a strength. I even have a tattoo right here to remind me vulnerability is strength. So I, I really do believe that vulnerability is a strength. 
there's power in owning your story. And if you can learn how to love yourself now, um, instead of saying one day, once I have this life or once I have this much money or this kind of job or this kind of body, then I feel like you will live a truly fulfilled life. Whether you have riches or fame or the hot body or not, you will live a truly fulfilled life. And so that's what I would leave with people. I love it's kind it. of a long quote, but no, no that, that's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, I love you it so much. Many thanks again to Drew Manning for joining us on this episode of the podcast. All the links that we mentioned in this conversation can be found with this episode show notes on our website, which can be found at IamSaltLake.com slash 416. That's for episode 416. Hey, before we wrap up this episode today, I want to talk a little bit about medical cannabis. A lot of people don't realize that medical cannabis is legal right now in the state of Utah if you have a letter of recommendation from your doctor. I Am Salt Lake Podcast has partnered with TrueMed to help qualifying patients get their affirmative defense letter and become a legal marijuana user in the state of Utah. TrueMed is Utah's premier medical marijuana-friendly clinic. What you need to do, pay attention, this is really easy to do, head on over to their website, that's TrueMed.com, T-R-U-U-M-E-D.com, and find out more about it. The website will show you a list of qualifications that you need to get your affirmative defense letter. And as long as you qualify, you can set up an appointment right there online with TrueMed. Just make sure to use the code SALTLAKE so that they know you're a listener of this podcast and you came from this podcast. Again, their website, TrueMed.com, that's two U's, so T-R-U-U-M-E-D.com. That code is Salt Lake. And if you have any questions about this, hit me up, send me an email. You can hit me up on Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Uh, my email is chris at IamSaltLake.com. And I would love to help you get your affirmative defense letter. Again, as long as you're a qualifying patient here in the state of Utah. And that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Don't forget to show your support for this podcast by supporting our show sponsors and show partners, which you can find at IamSaltLake.com. Hey, and if you want to be a little more badass than the rest of you, might you consider becoming a supporter of this podcast through Patreon? Really easy to do. You can become a Patreon supporter for as little as a dollar, and this will actually give you episodes of the podcast a little earlier than the rest. You can find all of that information at Patreon.com slash IamSaltLake. You guys have a great week. Remember to get out and support local, spend time with those you love, and we'll see you next week on the next episode. And good night, Grammy. Grammy.